classic streams. Lux Radio Theater, a classic radio anthology series, was broadcast on the NBC Blue Network, 1934-35 owned by the National Broadcasting Company, later predecessor of American Broadcasting Company in 1943-1945, CBS Radio Network, Columbia Broadcasting System, 1935-54, and NBC Radio, 1954-55. Initially, the series adapted Broadway plays during its first two seasons before it began adapting films. These hour-long radio programs were performed live before studio audiences. The series became the most popular dramatic anthology series on radio, broadcast for more than 20 years and continued on television as the Lux Video Theater through most of the 1950s. The primary sponsor of the show was Unilever through its Lux Soap brand. Broadcasting from New York, the series premiered at 2.30 p.m., October 14, 1934, on the NBC Blue Network with a production of Seventh Heaven starring Miriam Hopkins and John Bowles in a full-hour adaptation of the 1922-24 Broadway production by Austin Strong. The host was the show's fictional producer, Douglas Garrick, portrayed by John Anthony. Doris Degmar played another fictional character, Peggy Winthrop, who delivered the Lux commercials. Each show featured a scripted session with Garrick talking to the lead actors. Anthony appeared as Garrick from the premiere 1934 episode until June 30, 1935. Garrick was portrayed by Albert Hayes from July 29, 1935, to May 25, 1936, when the show moved to the West Coast. Fame studio executive and film producer and director Cecil B. DeMille took over as the host on June 1, 1936, continuing until January 22, 1945. That initial episode with DeMille featured stars Marlene Dietrich and Clark Gable in The Legionnaire and the Lady. On several occasions, usually when he was out of town, he was temporarily replaced by various celebrities, including Leslie Howard and Edward Arnold. Lux Radio Theater strove to feature as many of the original stars of the original stage and film productions as possible, usually paying them $5,000 in appearance. In 1936, when sponsor manufacturer Lever Brothers, who made Lux brand soap and detergent, moved the show from New York City to Hollywood, the program began to emphasize adaptations of films rather than plays. The first Lux film adaptation was The Legionnaire and the Lady, with Marlene Dietrich and Clark Gable, based on the film Morocco. That was followed by a Lux adaptation of The Thin Man, featuring the movie's actual stars, Myrna Loy and William Powell. Radio Regulars Though the show focused on film and its performers, several classic radio regulars appeared in Lux Radio Theater productions. Jim and Marion Jordan, better known as Fibber McGee and Molly, appeared on the show twice and also built an episode of their own radio comedy series around one of those appearances. Their longtime co-star, Arthur Q. Bryan, wisecracking Doc Gamble on Fibber McGee and Molly, made a few Lux appearances, as well. Band leader Phil Harris a longtime regular on Jack Benny's radio program and his wife Alice Fay, who became radio stars with their own comedy show in 1948, appeared in a Lux presentation. Fred Allen, Jack Benny, with and without his wife, Mary Livingstone, and George Burns and Gracie Allen were also among the other radio stars who were invited to do Lux presentations. Lux Radio Theater once presented an adaptation of the film version of a radio series, The Life of Riley, featuring William Bendix as the Brooklyn-born, California transplanted, stumbling but big-hearted aircraft worker he already made famous in the long-running radio series, and eventual television hit, of the same name. At least once, Lux Radio Theater offered a presentation without any known performers, its adaptation of This is the Army during World War II featured a cast of American soldiers. A famous urban legend claimed that actor Sonny Tufts was slated to appear as a guest alongside Joan Fontaine for a production of The Major and the Minor on Lux Radio Theater. When Joseph Cotton read the names of the next week's cast, he supposedly said, with a mixture of shock and astonishment, that listeners would hear that new, talented personality. Sonny Tufts? However, this never happened. The legend began as a fake segment on one of Kermit Schaefer's popular bloopers albums, which have been criticized for their recreations, fabrications, and lack of accuracy. In actuality, Tufts was introduced by Cotton on the radio series Suspense, but Cotton's introduction was perfectly normal. Offer Closed Shop A clash over closed shop union rulings favored by the American Federation of Radio Artists ended DeMille's term as host of Lux Radio Theater. 
Avra assessed members a dollar each to help back a campaign to enact closed shop rulings in California. DeMille, an Avra member but a stern opponent of closed shops, refused to pay because he believed it would nullify his opposition vote. When Offer ruled those not paying faced suspension from the union, thus a ban from appearing on the air, DeMille was finished in radio, because he also refused to let anyone else pay the dollar for him. In his 1959 autobiography, DeMille alleged that a former member of the American Communist Party later confided to him that the party had consciously orchestrated these circumstances of his exclusion from radio, as they considered him to be one of their two foremost enemies in radio. Hosts Lux Radio Theater employed several hosts over the following year, eventually choosing William Keithley as the new permanent host, a post he held from late 1945 through 1952. After that, producer-director Irving Cummings hosted the program until it ended in 1955. For its airings on the U.S. Armed Forces Radio Service, for which it was retitled Hollywood Radio Theater, the program was hosted by Don Wilson in the early 1950s. During its years on CBS in Hollywood, Lux Radio Theater was broadcast from the CBS Radio Playhouse at 1615 North Vine Street in Hollywood, one block south of the intersection of Hollywood Boulevard and Vine. The theater was owned by aviator, industrialist, and film producer Howard Hughes in the early 1930s. When it was purchased in 1954 by philanthropist Huntington Hartford, it was briefly called the Huntington Hartford Theater and then the Doolittle Theater. It is now the Ricardo Montalban Theater. Notable Stars Many of leading names in stage and film appeared in the series, most in the roles they made famous on the screen, including Abbott and Costello, Lauren Bacall, Wallace Beery, Ingrid Bergman, Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney, Ronald Coleman, Joan Crawford, Bing Crosby, Betty Davis, Irene Dunn, Deanna Durbin, Henry Fonda, Ava Gardner, Judy Garland, Betty Grable, Cary Grant, Rita Hayworth, Catherine Hepburn, William Holden, Bob Hope, Betty Hutton, Jean Kelly, Hedy Lamar, Carol Lombard, Jeanette MacDonald, Frederick March, Robert Mitchum, Dennis Morgan, Paul Muni, Laurence Olivier, Robert Preston, Tyrone Power, Edward G. Robinson, Ginger Rogers, Mickey Rooney, Frank Sinatra, Barbara Stanwyck, James Stewart, Gloria Swanson, Elizabeth Taylor, Robert Taylor, Shirley Temple, Spencer Tracy, Lana Turner, John Wayne, and Orson Welles, among many others. Overseas Australia An Australian Lux Radio Theatre was broadcast on the major broadcasting network during the 1940s and 50s. It was heard nationwide at 8 p.m. on a Sunday evening. On Sunday evening September 3, 1939 and as part of Lux Radio Theatre, the major network was broadcasting a performance of Leah Kleshina, which was suddenly interrupted by the voice of the Prime Minister, the retired Honorable Robert Menzies, announcing that Australia was now at war with Germany. Television On October 2, 1950, Lux Video Theatre began as a live 30-minute Monday evening CBS television series, switching to Thursday nights during August 1951. In September 1953, the show relocated from New York to Hollywood. In August 1954, the show moved to NBC Television as an hour-long show on Thursday nights, telecast until September 12, 1957. James Mason was the host in the 1954-55 season. Today's feature will begin with limited commercial breaks after a brief word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Classic Streams. And now, the Lux Radio Theatre proudly presents Vincent Price as Winston Smith in 1984. 1984. The world is one world, divided into three parts. East Asia, Eurasia, Oceania. (laughs) 
Religion is abolished. God is rooted out. There is only Big Brother. Big Brother is the head of the party. Big Brother is one, indivisible, unassailable. Oceania is good because Big Brother is good. Oceania is one because Big Brother is one. Big Brother sees everything, knows everything. Everyone exists by the clemency of Big Brother. Big Brother. Big Brother. Big Brother. In Oceania, there are the Proleys. The Proleys, like the animals, are free. They have no telescreens in their houses. They have no numbers. They wear no uniform. The Proleys are the primitives, the early inferior people. Subdued by the party, subject to the party, they are the lost and the forgotten. Between the Proleys and the party, there is a great gulf fixed. A Prole cannot join the party. No party member can retreat to the Proleys. The party is one, as Big Brother is one. Every member of the party wears a uniform, a suit of overalls. Every member of the party has a telescreen in his house. Every member of the party has a number. You there, stand up. In front of the screen. What is your number? 6079. Your name? Winston Smith. Where do you live? Third floor, Victory Mansions. Employment in the party. Records Department, Ministry of Truth. Repeat the slogans of the party with fervor. War is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. Now, how is Oceania governed? By Big Brother, through the Ministry of Truth, the Ministry of Peace, the Ministry of Plenty, the Ministry of Love. Describe their functions. The Ministry of Truth, News, Entertainment, Education, the Ministry of Peace, Conduct of War, the Ministry of Plenty, Economics. Well, go on. The Ministry of Love, what does that do? I don't know. I have never been there. Let us hope for your sake that you never do. The Ministry of Love is where people who do not love Big Brother are taught to love him. Do you love Big Brother, Winston Smith? I love Big Brother. Repeat it. I love Big Brother. I love Big Brother. Your tour of duty at the records office begins at 900 hours. Be there on time. 6079, Winston Smith. Dismissed. That was an unexpected call, wasn't it? Oh, they do it sometimes. Part of the quarterly brush-up discipline, you know. Perhaps. But that fellow on the screen was probably from the thought police. They can cut in on anybody's screen, you know. They do. How do you think so many comrades have been vaporized? Thought police, of course. And the home telescreen. They can see you and hear you all the time. But I've got nothing to worry about. I stick to the party rules. I do my job. But you don't think the way the party thinks, do you? More important, you don't want to think the way the party thinks, the way Big Brother wants you to think, do you? I just couldn't face the telescreen any longer. I had to get out and get away. You and I. You? Well, you. I'm you, Winston. I'm the other you who looks out of your eyes. Yes, yes, you twitch my lips and tingle in my fingertips at the most inconvenient times. But they know nothing about you. They control me like they control everybody else. Then why do you do the silly things you do? What silly things? That book you bought. It's just an old book with blank pages. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Except they don't make books like that anymore. And if they ask you where you got it, you'd have to tell them at an antique shop in the Proley Quarter. But I just wanted to keep a diary. Nothing wrong in that, is there? No, except you'd find it hard to explain why you wanted to keep a diary. And remember... You're not supposed to go into the Proley Quarter anyway. No, I know. The Proleys aren't members of the party. They're just slaves. But will you stop it? I've got enough to worry about as it is. Yes. It's the girl, isn't it? The girl in the fiction department. Yes. Yes, the way she looks at me. The way she stays near me. She's rather pretty. What if you like that sort of thing? A lot of good it is when she wears the red sash of the anti-sex league and could be a police spy into the bargain. You're rattled this morning. Mustn't get rattled, you know. It shows. That's the way they get onto you first. Pull yourself together. 
There's where you work. There's the Ministry of Truth straight ahead. Smile now, Winston. Smile! Comrade Smith. What? Oh, oh, good morning, Comrade O'Brien. Not often we meet like this. No, no, Comrade. Of course, I've often wanted to. I... Wanted? What, Comrade? Well, I, I don't know. It's probably foolish. You are known as a great man in the party. I've admired you from a distance. I hear good reports of your work, Smith. Well, I've often hoped I, I might discuss it with a you. A pity we have no time now. Never mind. We'll meet again one day. In the place where there is no darkness. In the place where there is no... I, I, I beg your pardon, comrade. Uh, good morning, comrade. Don't let me keep you from your work. The place where there is no darkness. He, he said... Never mind that now, you fool. Compose yourself. You're at work. Everybody watches. Everybody listens for Big Brother. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. But O'Brien understands. Yes. Yes, O'Brien understands. You know now that you're not alone. But smile, smile... There's that girl again. Don't let her see. Don't let her guess. Above all, not her. Six oh seven nine, Comrade Smith. Present for duty. Repeat the slogan of the Ministry of Truth. Who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. Does the past exist? Yes. Where? In records and in memories. Which is the more important? The records. Why? The records endure, but memories fade. So? Who controls the records controls the memory of the people. Are you impressed with the greatness of your task? I am. Then begin, Comrade Smith. This is urgent. Big Brother's Order of the Day, 17th of the 3rd, 84, contains references to unpersons. Rewrite completely. Unpersons? Oh, I have to be careful about this. Unpersons are always tricky. Even Big Brother can't refer to them. Unpersons don't exist. Oh, let's be frank. Unpersons are persons who have been liquidated, destroyed. Your job is to see that all record of them is destroyed as well. Are they mentioned in the press? Delete their names. Are they shown in photographs? Make a new photograph. Are their voices recorded? Destroy their records. And presto, they do not exist. They never existed. They have no place in memory or history. That could happen to you, too. All personnel will lay aside their work and face the telescreen for the one-minute hate. You're out of luck. The girl's sitting right next to you. Watch your step now. Make it a convincing hate. Thought police are very shrewd. You are here to hate. You are here to loathe, to despise, to detest with all your being. Whom do you hate? Goldstein. 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 Goldstein is what? Enemy of the people. Saboteur, traitor. Whom else do you hate? The Brotherhood. Goldstein and his Brotherhood. And the penalty for traitors like these? Death, 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 death. We hate traitors. We love Big Brother. We hate traitors. We love Big Brother. Speak to us, Big Brother. The episode will continue after a brief message from our sponsor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Classic streams. My comrades. My 
My brothers, we live in times of great peril. We are exposed to the attacks of enemies without and traitors within. But have no fear. I am with you always. Are you eating with anyone, oh, Smith? Hello, sir. I'm, well, no. Good. I'll join you. <laughs> I don't know what they put in this victory gin, but it always makes me do that. Yes, it is rather strong, isn't it? Excellent product, though. Excellent. You seem rather distracted, Smith. Something on your mind? What's that? Oh, oh no. Nothing on my mind. I, I was just looking at that girl over there. Yes, she's been looking at you, too. Do you know her? No. Wouldn't help you if you did, would it? She wears that red sash like a banner. It's an odd thing to say. Comes of working in the poetry department. We're editing Kipling now, you know. Quite a lot of banners in Kipling. I understand the Junior Anti-Sex League is one of the favoured institutions of the party. Oh, yes, yes, I believe so. Uh, you're married, aren't you? I was. Oh. Divorced? Separated. Oh. With the consent of the party. It was apparent we would have no children. The party takes a very wise view of these matters. Of all matters. As you say. Funny, that girl's still looking at you. But I can't help it if she has nothing better to do. Oh, here comes Parsons. Hmm. He lives near you, doesn't he? Yes, next floor down. He's got a wife and children. You'd better talk to him. I don't think I could. Oh, hello. Hello, comrades. Hello, hello comrade. Parsons. Oh, I've been chasing you, Smith. What? Yes, it's about that subscription you forgot to pay me. Oh, which one is that? Eight week. The house by house fund. We're going to decorate Victory Mansions. And two dollars you promised me. Oh, well, here you are. Thanks. I say, did I tell you about what my little girl did last Saturday? Yeah, well, she was out with the junior spies troop near Birkenstead. They spent the whole of the afternoon following a strange man. They kept on his tail for two hours and then handed him over to the patrols. Clever, eh? <laughs> what was the man doing? Nothing. He says. But my little Millie was smart. She spotted him chipping pieces off the rocks with a hammer. Must have been a saboteur. Well, uh, what happened to the man? Well, I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if... Uh, you know? Uh, that's very good. <laughs> of course, you can't afford to take chances. I mean, not with subversive agents everywhere. No, no, of course. Of course. Well, I've got a few more subscriptions to chase up. I'll um, see you later. Tell me, Smith, hmm. did you ever regret not having any children? And I can't say I've thought much about it. Why? I was just wondering. Parsons seems very happy with his little brood, doesn't he? You see what I mean about being careful? Watch that fellow, Syme. Oh, he's clever, and he never says a word out of place, but he's marked... One day he just won't come to work, mark my words. Why should I worry about Syme? He can look after himself. I'm worried about me, about that that girl. Oh, working in the same building, people are bound to see each other frequently. But for some reason, she's interested in me. She keeps turning, and why, why? It can't be sex. She's a member of the Junior Anti-Sex League. I doubt if she's from the Thought Police. Except for that diary you keep, you haven't given too much away. Well, anyway, she's not important. The important thing is O'Brien. He spoke to me today. He understands. He knows. Knows you're guilty of thought crime, that you hate Big Brother, that you... And all of that and more. Everything. Don't you see? If O'Brien knows, there is hope, then. There oh. is hope. Oh, I'm sorry, Carmen. I, I wasn't was looking where I... I was. Wait a minute. You're the girl from the Ministry of Truth, aren't you? That's right. You've been watching me for days. Yes. But Why? I'm a good party member. Why do you have to spy on me? I'm not spying on you. All I wanted to do was to tell you... I love you. You love me? Wait. Wait a moment. She... She loves me. She said she loves me. Good evening, Mr. Smith. Oh, hello, Millie Parsons. What are you doing out so late? Mr. Smith? Yes, Millie. 
You're a traitor. What? I've been watching you. You're a thought criminal. Millie. Millie, get out. Go home. I'll tell your father about this. Smith's a traitor. Smith's a spy. Catch him first and let him die. <laughs> The year of Big Brother. The all-embracing night of Big Brother. If you belong to the party, you are free to attend a party rally or a party discussion group or rest briefly or watch the party entertainers on the party telescreen. But if you are number 6079, Comrade Winston Smith, party member in revolt, loaded with the guilt of thought crime... You walk the city, the dark, narrow streets of the city, clinging desperately to those few cubic centimeters inside your skull case, which is all that is left to you of privacy, possession, and hope. The way she said love made it sound completely personal, private, indestructible. It isn't, you know. It can't be. Not now in the year of Big Brother. Love involves an alienation of something that belongs to Big Brother and to the party. Love is betrayal. Love is thought crime. It's hopeless. I refuse to believe that. It is not hopeless. There is a chance. There is O'Brien. He understands. He is in revolt, too. Yes, there is O'Brien. Hello, you've walked a long way. Remember that shop? Yes. That is where I bought the book for my diary. It's a junk shop. It's old and musty and full of useless things. But it proves something, don't you see? It proves that things were different once in spite of what the records say. And if they were different once, they could be different again. Go on. In you go. Good evening. Good evening. What, what can I... Oh, why, of course... You're the gentleman that bought the ladies' keepsake album. Is there anything special I can do for you? I was passing. I just looked in. I, I don't want anything in particular. It's just as well. The shop's nearly empty. Between you and me, the antique trade's just about finished. No demand, no stock either. That's a pretty thing. What is that? There. A glass paperweight. Uh, what's that inside of it? That's coral. Coral? Hmm. Must have come from the Indian Ocean. They used to melt the glass onto it. More than a hundred years old, that is. It's a beautiful thing. Yes, indeed it is. Now, there's another room upstairs you might care to take a look at. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> there's not much in it. Just a few pieces. Well, we could do with the light if we're going up. There's the room. We used to live here till my wife died. Now I'm selling the furniture off little by little. See, that's a beautiful mahogany bed. There's, there's no telescreen. Ah, oh, I never had one of those things, and it's too expensive. I never really felt the need of it. You you don't live here now? Oh, dear me, no. I live with my daughter. Oh. She's quite a nice apartment, in the worst of days. Uh. You know, I lock up at night and leave all my memories here. Well, now, if you happen to be interested in old prints at all, there's quite a nice one over here. The frame's screwed to the wall, but... But I dare say I could fix it for you, if you wanted it. I, I know that building. Hmm? It's a ruin now. It's in the middle of the street, outside of the Palace of Justice. That's right. It's outside the law courts. It was bombed in, um, oh, many years ago. It was a church at one time. A church? Oh, yes, yes. St. Clement Danes. <laughs> Oranges and lemons. Hey, the bells of St. Clement. <laughs> Silly of me. What's that? Oranges and lemons. That was a rhyme we had when I was a little boy. Oh. How it goes on, I don't remember. But it ends up... Here comes a candle to light you to bed. Here comes a chopper to chop off your head. 
A kind of dance and a game all in one. And all the names of the churches were in it. I've heard about churches, but I didn't realise I'd ever seen one. Oh, there's a lot of them left, really, but of course they've been put to other uses now. You, uh, you wouldn't like to buy the picture? No, 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 no but look... I like this room. Hmm? I might, well, I, I might at some later date want to rent it from you for a while. I'd pay you quite well. Well, well I, yes, I don't see why not. You, you'd look after all my old things. I know. I, I'll let you know later, then. You've been very kind. Thank you. <laughs> Pity you've got to go. I, I'm just on the verge of remembering the rest of the rhyme. Oranges and lemons, say the bells of St. Lemons. Winston, what? stop. Don't look round. Just light a cigarette. Oh, this is madness. Do you want us to meet? Yes, of course, but... Next Sunday, are you free? Yes. Then listen carefully. Now, you'll have to remember this. Go to Paddington Station. Take the train to Ilborn. Yes. Now, when you get there, turn left outside the station. Walk two kilometres till you come to a gate with the top rail missing. Now, follow the path and wait for me by the fallen tree. Have you got that? Yes, wait. I'll be there at 1,500 hours. I must go now. Now, don't follow me. Just finish your cigarette. But listen, you... I love you. I love you. in the country while you're waiting for a girl. You know you've taken the first step on a road that has only one end, death. And yet you're picking bluebells. I don't remember picking bluebells before. It's not in the party syllabus. Well, to hell with the party, to hell with... Hello. Oh, hello. Uh, do you always talk to yourself? Usually. It's safer. Uh-uh. It isn't really. It becomes a habit. The habit gives you away. Oh, I suppose it does. You can put your arms around me, you know. I don't bite. I, I don't even know your name. <laughs> Mine is Julia. Yours is... Winston Smith. I know. I found out. Now put your arms around me. Kiss me. Oh, Julia. Julia. Till this moment I didn't know what color your eyes were. I'd forgotten what a pair of lips tasted like... I'd forgotten how it felt to hold a woman. It didn't take you long to remember. Look, before we go any further, I'm 39. I've got a wife I can't get rid of. I've got a varicose ulcer and five false teeth. And, and I couldn't care less. Julia, are we safe here? Safer than anywhere. Now relax. Oh. Hold me in your arms. Mm. Oh. Now just let's be ourselves. Tell me... What did you think the night I told you that I loved you? I hated the sight of you. You must know I thought you belonged to the Thought Police. <laughs> the Thought Police? Oh, not really. Well, if not that, at least it's a good want... party member, pure in word and deed. Banners, processions, games, community hikes. <laughs> and you thought if I had half a chance, I'd denounce you to the police and get you killed well, off? More or less, I... I... <laughs> it's this blasted sash that does it. The Junior Anti-Sex League. Let's get rid of it for the afternoon, huh? Julia, you're a perpetual surprise. <laughs> Not really. It's just that I've got the right appearance. I'm good at games. I was a troop leader in the Junior Spies. I do voluntary work three evenings a week for the Junior Anti-Sexers. I spend hours and hours pasting their silly posters all over London. I always look cheerful and I always yell with the crowd. That is the only way to be safe. Why did you pick me? Something in your face. I knew you could be one of theirs, but I thought I'd take a chance. Julia, I've got a place, a room and furniture. We can be there whenever we like. Uh -uh. Whenever we can, darling. It's not quite the same thing. I still have to stick up posters, and you still have to go to discussion groups. But there'll be times. Where is this place? In the old part of the city where the Prolies live. It's over an antique shop. Well... We have ourselves a love nest. Mm. Oh, but we'll have to be careful. Very careful not to give a sign. Not a flicker of recognition. We will be. Julia, have you ever done this before? Of course. Dozens of times. With dozens of men. Was it the same as with me? Not quite. You see, darling, 
I love you. But the others? Two reasons, darling. I like it. The party doesn't like it. You make it sound like a political act. That's why they'd arrest us if they ever found out. Love is a political act. Yes, darling. Do you think it was ever like this for everybody? Like what? Being in your own room on a summer evening, talking about things you wanted to talk about. Not worrying about telescreens or thought police. Mm, I don't know. I know it's nice now. We've got another hour to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all. Mm. <laughs> Would you like me to make some tea? Yes, please. I like this room. What was that? Oh, only a rat. A rat? Oh, it was a big, ugly fellow. I gave him a good fright, though. Oh. Darling. Oh. Darling, what's the matter? Of all the horrible things in the world, I I hate rats most of all. But, darling, there's oh. no need to be upset. Oh. They're, they're ugly things, unclean things, no, but that's all. No, they're more than that. They're much more than that. Now, darling. Should you get rid of it, please? Darling, just lie please. back. I'll make tea, and then I'll oh, plug no, the hole. No, no, no. Plug up the hole first, please, Julia, Julia. All right, darling, of course. Julia... When I, I was a child, lying lonely and awake in the dark, they were voices chibbering in the darkness. Their feet sc- scurried closer, closer, and then retreated only to come again. They touched my face. It was more horrible than the, than the touch of a dead hand. I've never got over that feeling. Ever since that night, I've laid awake and screamed soundlessly for hours. Whenever I heard the small, pattering feet of a rat... I'm all right now. Uh, darling. Yeah. Uh, darling, what's this picture? I've seen it somewhere before. Oh, it's... It's a church, or at least it used to be. St. Clement Danes. Mr. Charrington taught me a, a rhyme about it. Oranges and lemons, say the bells of St. Clement's. You owe me three farthings, say the bells of St. Martin's. Judy, you know it. Go on, please, go on. <laughs> when will you... Hey, me, say the bells of old Bailey. I'd get the next line, but then it says, Here comes a candle to light you to bed. And here comes a chopper to chop off your head. Julian. Yes, darling. You know, I have the strangest feeling about that silly little rhyme. What sort of a feeling? As if everybody connected with it were someone who could make us happy. As if, as if I hoped the next person to recite it would be O'Brien. O'Brien? Yes. I told you he spoke to me again in the lift yesterday. He wants us to go up to his flat. Oh, darling, must we really? But he's one of us. No. He may hate Big Brother and the party and all the rest. But, darling, that doesn't make him one of us. Oh, Winston, we're two people. We make love together and we talk together and we drink tea together. O'Brien has no part in that. But don't you see, as we are now, we're alone. If we join O'Brien and his brotherhood, we won't be alone. We'll still be arrested in the long run. But that's not the important thing. The important thing to me is this room and what we do here and how we live here and the joy we have. We don't need O'Brien to keep us alive. It's not being alive that counts. It's being human. And being human means you share your living and your hoping and your fearing with other people. The party's only too happy to have you share. But not the human things. Only the inhuman ones. I want to think there's a hope we could all be as human as we two are now. That's why I want to see O'Brien. I know your names, you know mine. I'm O'Brien. We may dispense with introductions. Pardon me while I switch off the telescreen. Can you really switch it off? Members of the inner party have that privilege. We... we are... are... we are... Alone? Yes, yes, we are quite alone. I... well, Julia and I believe that there is some kind of a secret organization working against the party. We believe that you are involved in it. We want to join it and work for it. We are enemies of the party. We are... Living together, we are thought criminals. I tell you this because it puts us at your mercy, and you will know that we are telling the truth. If you wish, we will sign a statement. There is such an organization. 
Its leader is Emmanuel Goldstein, whom you know of. Yes, but we thought we were afraid that Goldstein and the, and the conspiracy were invented by the thought police. No, they exist. But what are you both prepared to do to help the conspiracy? Anything we are capable of. You're prepared to give your lives? Yes. yes. To commit murder? Yes. yes. To betray your country? Yes. yes. To cheat, forge, blackmail, corrupt the minds of children? Yes. You're prepared to commit suicide if ordered to do so? Yes. yes. You're prepared to separate and never see each other again? No! It's just as well to understand these things right at the beginning. You understand you'll be fighting in the dark. You'll receive orders and obey them without knowing why. Sooner or later, you'll be caught and tortured and you will die. You will never know whether your work has served a single good purpose. We and you now are the dead. Our only true life is in the future. A thousand years away, perhaps... But if in that thousand years we extend the frontiers of sanity even a little, we shall have done well. Uh, uh, you have a hiding place? Yes, in the old quarter, a room over an antique shop. The proprietor is called Charrington. Uh, that will do for the moment. Later, we shall make other arrangements, give you more definite instructions. Now it is time for you to leave. Then we are accepted? Yes, you are accepted. Have you any more questions? Only one. Do you know an old rhyme called The Bells of St. Clements? Yes, I think so. Oranges and lemons, say the bells of St. Clements. You owe me three farthings, say the bells of St. Martin. <laughs> when will you pay me, say the bells of Old Bailey? When I grow rich, say the bells of Shardy. You know it, you know it, you know all of it. I told you he'd know it, Julia, didn't I? Julia. Oh, what, darling? Is there any time to get up? Oh, I don't want to get up. Oh, neither do I. You know what I was remembering just then? No. You remember that thrush that sang to us the first day in the wood? Oh, he wasn't singing for us, just for himself. <laughs> Not even that, he was just singing. That's what I mean. I wonder if we will ever see the day when we'll be just, just singing. Oh, I doubt it. What did O'Brien say? We are the dead. We are the dead. You are dead. What? It came from behind the picture. Behind the picture. Yes. Oh. Now you can be seen. You are the dead. The telescreen behind the picture. Julia! Stay where you are. What? Don't touch each other. Clasp your hands behind your heads. Now stand back to back. I suppose we may as well say goodbye. You may as well say goodbye. And while we're on the subject, here comes a candle to light you to bed. Here comes a chopper to chop off your head. Mr. Challenger. No! Nineteen eighty-four, the year of the revolt of Winston Smith against Big Brother and the party of Big Brother. It had been a bloodless revolt, bloodless and small and secret in a mahogany bed in a fusty upstairs room. The issue had been decided before the thought was conceived or the act begun. But even now, Winston Smith had no certainty where he was. His world was a windowless room with walls of white porcelain flooded with light from hidden lamps, stark under the scrutiny of four telescreens from which every motion was visible. He was more lonely than he had ever been in his life. And yet, he was not alone. Can I talk? There are still the telescreens, Parsons. Oh, I don't mind those. I have, I have nothing to hide, nothing at all. And what are you in for? Fourth crime. You wouldn't think it possible, would you? You don't think they'll shoot me, do you, old chap? I, I mean, they don't shoot you if you haven't actually done anything. I know they give you a fair hearing. They'll know my record, won't they? You know what kind of a chap I was. Not brainy, of course, but keen. I'll get off with five years, don't you think? Or ten? A chap like me could make himself pretty useful in a labour camp. Are you guilty? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I'm guilty... You don't think the party would arrest an innocent man, do you? Thought crime is a dreadful thing, old man. It's insidious. 
Do you know how it got hold of me? In my sleep. Yes, that's a fact. Never knew I had a bad streak in me, and yet there it was. How did you find out? I started talking in my sleep. <laughs> they heard me shouting down with Big Brother. Who denounced you? Well, actually, it was my little daughter. She listened at the keyhole and heard it, nipped off and told the patrols next day. Pretty smart, eh? And she's only seven. But that's the sort of thing I mean. They'll understand that I train my children properly. They'll take that into consideration, won't they? Parsons? Yes. Yes, just tell me what you want done. I'll cooperate. You won't have any trouble Room with me. Room 101. Oh. Yes. So, you're alone again. <laughs> Alone except for that whimpering thing in this gleaming, aseptic world of the Ministry of Love. It's not a new experience, this solitude. You're not too afraid, are you? Yes, I am afraid. I am afraid of this procession of frightened men with broken bodies and terrified eyes. I don't know whether that's part of the treatment, too. Yes, it's all part of the treatment. Keep reminding yourself of that. The lightest word, the least calculated gesture is all part of the treatment. There is no mercy, there is no kindness, there is no intermission of misery. It is all part of the treatment. Come on, you. We can't wait any longer. Me? No, not you. This. Come on. On your feet. Where are you taking me? Room 101. No! No! Don't do anything but that. You've been starving me for weeks. Finish it off and let me die. Shoot me. Hang me. Take my family and cut their throats. But don't take me there! Room 101! No! No! Smith, take your hands away from your face. It's forbidden to cover your face in the cells. Take hold of yourself now. That's part of the treatment, too. Everything's part of the treatment. Mm. But so long as you still have those few cubic centimeters inside your skull, you're still a man. You're still stronger than they. Hello, Smith. O'Brien. That's right. So they got you too. Oh, they got me a long time ago. You mean you are one of them? Don't deceive yourself, Winston. You knew this a long time ago now, didn't you? You've always known it. I, I, I... I told you myself we should meet like this. In the place where there is no darkness. Now that we have met... We are going to make a new man of you, Winston. A new man. Take him! Ah! <laughs> you see how it is, Winston. Pain itself and suffering is no longer a chance or accident. It is a calculated process, a thing measured. And graduate and control. We are not medieval butchers probing for the nerve roots. We are masters of this most subtle of sciences. Look, there is a dial upon which your agony is measured. There is a lever by which I can increase or diminish it. But it is not I who inflict this pain on you, Winston. It is you yourself. You understand that, don't you? Winston, you are suffering the pain of the rebirth of sanity. You must be born again. You know that, don't you? Look at my hand, Winston. How many fingers do you see? Two. And on this hand, two. put them together. Two and two, what does that make? Four. And if the party says two and two, make not four, but five, what then? There's still four. How many fingers, Winston? Four, four. What else can I say? Four. How many fingers, Winston? Four. Stop it, I'll tell you four. Four. How many fingers? Five. Five. I don't know. I can guess. In the Ministry of Love. Do you know how long you've been here? I don't know. Days, months, years. Why did we bring you here? To punish me, to make me 
confess. No, Winston, not that. Yeah. Not the small tasks of punishment and confession. What could you tell us that we don't, don't know already? What satisfaction do we draw from your stricken flesh? Shall I tell you why we brought you here? To cure you. Cure me of love for a woman. Love. Love is a word, an obsolete word. There is no love. Only a biological act. Cure me of what, then? A false and foolish thinking. Yeah. We don't want martyrs, Winston. We want disciples. Yeah. Willing disciples. Uh. And when we've made you a willing disciple, then we shall destroy you. Uh. And why do you go to, to the trouble to torture me? Because you're a flaw in a pattern, Winston. You're a stain that must be removed. But you've not told me why. Why? No, Winston. Uh. You must tell me why. I the answer to that question is the measure of my whole success with you. It may be the key to your release from this small prison of great agony. You tell me why, Winston. Why do we do all these things? You, you are, are ruling over us for our own good. You believe that human beings are not fit to... Ah! Stupid! Stupid! Winston! You deserve an eternity of pain for a folly like that. Now I will tell you why. The party seeks power for its own sake. We are not interested in the good of others. We are interested only in power. Not wealth or luxury or long life. Only in power. Pure power. No one ever seizes power with the intention of giving it up. Power is not a means. It is an end in itself. The object of persecution is persecution. The object of torture is torture. Each is an exercise of power, a pressing upon the nerve of agony, until one after another, all men are converted to our discipline. All men are submissive to a universal power. You'll never do it. You'll never do it. Never. 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 We did it to you, Winston. Shall I show you in a minute? Just what we have done to you. Shall I tell you that you're just a bag of bones? That you've lost all semblance of a man? That your hair and your teeth are falling out? That you are an offense to sight and to smell? We did that to you, Winston. Now, two and two make cry! But I never betrayed you. You failed there. You couldn't make me betray her. Could you? You failed, O'Brien. You failed. You, 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 you failed. No, we never yes, failed. You failed. Yes. Never. Yes. We cannot afford to fail. Take him to room 101. So this is the end of horror. This small room down in the bowels of the earth. I'm strapped to a chair, tightly, so tightly that I cannot move. I cannot retreat inside my skull case. That does not belong to me anymore. It has been entered and possessed and garrisoned by O'Brien. There is no retreat left anymore. I am faced now with the ultimate agony. I am in room one, oh, one. You asked me once, Winston, what was in room 101. You knew the answer, though. You wouldn't admit it. Everybody knows it, really. The thing that is in room 101 is the worst thing in the world. The worst thing in the world, of course, varies from person to person. For some, it is burial alive. For some, it is death by fire. For some, it is quite a trivial thing. In your case, Winston, it is... Rats. Oh, oh no. Oh, oh, take them away. Keep them away from me. You, you can't do this to me. You can't do you this You have not to yet me. surrendered to me, Winston. How can I surrender if I don't know what you want? 
I've answered all the questions, haven't I? I I've learned all your lessons, haven't I? Take them away. Please, take them away. Precious star, Winston, they will eat a man alive. Stand, I, I can I, use I, I them on you, or I can Please. use them on Julia. You have your choice now. Which? Use them on Julia. I don't care. I don't care what you do. But don't let them near me. Don't, don't, don't. Let Julia, suffer now. Let her. Yeah, now, Winston. It's over now. There isn't any more. It's all over now. <laughs> calm. You sit at your corner table in the cafe and fumble with the chessboard and sip your victory gin and scan the newspapers. You look out the window and watch the people go by. One day, Julia passed and something stirred in your mind for a moment and then died again. There are so many people and this small corner which they keep for you is warm and comfortable. When you finish the newspaper, you watch the telly screen. Strange, that. In a life without struggles, without any hint of climax, that is the moment that comes nearest to emotion. The face of Big Brother flashes on the screen. You hear his rich, full voice. Theatre is produced by Sterling McAvoy. 1984 was adapted from George Orwell's novel by Morris West. Tonight's play was directed by Paul Jackson. Heard in our cast were Lionel Stevens as O'Brien, Alexander Archdale as Charrington, Guy Dolman as Parsons, and Dorothea Dunstan, Gordon Chater, Rupert Chance, Murray Powell, Leonard Bullen, and Alan Herbert. David Netheim was heard as the narrator. Margot Lee played the role of Julia, and as Winston Smith, you heard our distinguished Hollywood star, Vincent Price. <laughs> One week from tonight, Accent on Youth, starring Hollywood star Melvin Douglas in person. Until then, this is the Lux Radio Theatre, signing off from 50 stations throughout the Commonwealth of Australia. That concludes this week's broadcast of Echoes of a Century. This program was an independent production by Dalshu Radio Creations, copyright 2005. 
produced in the studios of WLSU La Crosse, an affiliate of Wisconsin Public Radio on the La Crosse campus of the University of Wisconsin. I'm King David McKenzie. Thanks for listening. I hope that you'll join us again at the same time next week. Until then, remember, fear and God do not inhabit the same space. Retro Radio Today does not claim ownership over copyrights to any radio shows on our podcasts. The work in this episode has been identified as being free of known restrictions under copyright law, including all related and neighboring rights. The show copyrights are believed to be expired.